gospel, light of the temple. Saw swing, kill a lie from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is episode number... Yo, Cam, what episode is this? 65, everybody. We, we're we up to like 65, man. That's not bad. I mean, if you caught our last episode, I mean, that's a good thing. On this show, we have it all, right, Cam? I mean, we had uh, gangsters, ex-gangsters, pastors, preachers, uh, athletes. Um, in our last podcast, we had a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, and she was good. She's a therapist. She passed alongside her husband in the city of San Pedro. Uh, she had a lot of good insight, man. So uh, that's how I always wanted the show to be. I wanted this show to be uh, a, a mixed variety of people, issues, subjects, uh, all that. So uh, if you didn't catch episode 64 with Vanessa Brasenio, check it out. Uh, very, very good podcast. But uh, today we have uh, a guest and... Um, been trying to get this guy for a, a little while we were in communication we know kind of the same people so it's uh it's been good finally got him today but uh before we get to that make sure you subscribe okay make sure you subscribe if you guys can go on youtube subscribe street gospel podcast you see it subscribe if you listen to us on apple Podcasts, on spotify make sure you subscribe and if you want to support uh there's always little buttons down below that you can uh, support us, man, because uh, podcast is not um, uh, cheap to run, and uh, we got to keep this thing going some way, somehow. So uh, we appreciate anybody's support out there. But let's get down to the guests because that's what we're here for, man. So I always like to play just a little music, and I thought a little West Coast, of course. I mean, a little West Coast because this guy's from the West Coast, so I, I had to I had to play a little a little beat here, and uh, but this guy right here. Uh, definitely from Los Angeles. He uh, has a special, special project that he does alongside his son. Uh, he has a heart for the streets. He's an advocate for the homeless people. Uh, he's a speaker. He just told me today he went to school and spoke at a school, man. So this guy's all over the place. Uh, but I want to welcome to the show today, Mr. Paul Avila. Yes, sir. What's Thank up, you, brother? Man. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, man, I'm glad you're here, brother. I we mean, made it happen. <laughs> we, ma- we made it happen. I mean, I, uh, I mean, we talked about this the other day. I seen uh, a piece in downtown, huge, right off the Ten Freeway, and uh, I, I never knew what it was, right? And so I seen, I said, man, that's huge. You know, it's like crazy. No, it's been up there for years. How many years yes. has it been up there? Uh, I think it's been about six years now. Six years at least, yeah, right? It's good so, run. <laughs> good run. Nobody touches it. And, and it's unheard of, right? So uh, one day uh, I was, I knew it was Trickster that did the did, did the piece. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I ended up meeting him at, at Third Street Promenade by by chance. And I was like, hey, man, you did that, that piece right alongside the freeway. He goes, yeah, yeah. And so that's how I kind of started knowing about your project and everything that was going on, man. But it's great to have you here, brother. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm excited to be here anytime we could share a story and Bring in awareness, inspire people, man. I'm all for it. So sure, thanks man. again. Thanks again. So, so where did you grow up, bro? Yeah, I grew up um, San Gabriel Valley, not San too Gabriel far from Valley. here. Yes. SGV. The old SGV. Oh, yep. man, watch out, bro. Look at the 
Flores over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> talks about L.A., which is pretty rough. But, yeah, SGV has its little grimy parts. You it, know? D- it does, man. I'm, I'm familiar with some of that area. Yeah. You know, the Ballin Park. Exactly. Uh, Almani area. Zuzo, La Puente. Yeah, got, all, yeah. all in there. It, it's uh, some rough neighborhoods There's in there. some hoods over there. It's yeah. a little underrated, though, right? It is. It is. It's okay. We'll stay off the radar. We do our dirt. <laughs> it's funny because L.A. is like – you, when you grew up in LA, there's so many sections yeah, of, of LA. Huge. Like you can say LA County, which San Gabriel Valley is, but, but if you go somewhere like outside the state and somebody asks you where you're from, you, you usually say LA. Like yeah. I grew up in Southeast LA, Bell, mm-hmm. Cudahy, and then, you know, yep downtown South Bay, you have this, it's just this huge variety. Exactly. So when you say you're like kind of from LA, it's like, well, what part of LA? Yeah, it's kind of vague. It's like narrow it down. Yeah, it could be a lot of it's different huge. places. LA is huge. Yeah, exactly. But how, how did you grow up, man? Did you everything was? Uh, were you all a a good kid or uh, helping know. the homeless back in those days? I don't or? know about all that, but uh, that might have came later on. But yeah, no. Basically, I was the um, youngest of five. You know, I always remember kind of being. Uh, well, I have three sisters. And a brother. Okay. And, uh, you know, being the youngest, quiet one in the corner, you're kind of like the sponge. You just absorb everything. And, right. You know, Paul's a little quiet guy in the corner. And um, I didn't, um, I'd say my dad and mom split, unfortunately, when I was when I was born. So, you know, oh, really? didn't have pops around too much. Um, he was always in my life. You know, it wasn't completely absent, but it was more like a weekend dad, you know. Okay. And, um, um, yeah, man, just grew up in the traditional, you know. Mexican family, you know, go to church on Sunday. Mom makes chorizos. My mom just uh, had our routine going, and, uh, you know, her thing was to keep us busy. You know, okay. single mom, sports, school, all that stuff. So I think, thank God I had my mom. You know, she really pushed us, and, uh, you know, she was not looking for guys and even working. She was just, like, focusing on the five kids, you right. know. So, um, you know, obviously we thank her to this day. We all came out halfway normal, you know, but – um yeah, it's, you know, obviously being, you know, young, you got the sports and all that stuff. And I think it was around, you know, like most young guys around eighth grade, you start, you know, hanging around a little, some knuckleheads and get in a little trouble. And, right. Uh, Especially in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And my first uh, little thing of uh, trouble entered the graffiti world, you know, had some fun and uh, writing on the walls. And, okay. Uh, okay. It happens, you know, and uh, it was like what we did. It was just your friends, you know. Graffiti is, 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 is a good thing, though, man. I've always liked, you know. Graffiti. I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, even when I was younger, you mm-hmm. know, my I I I'm, I was a fan of graffiti. I, yeah. I, I love graffiti everywhere mm-hmm. you go, especially in LA. It's it's everywhere, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think that's your first intrigue, right? To to I don't know if we're gonna call it like like the streets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, you, you entry don't, level, yeah, like <laughs> exactly. you're like, oh yeah, this is cool, this yeah. is exciting. I want to yeah. put my name somewhere, yeah, and yeah. then and then you kind of. It kind of grows on you, and it depends on if you're going to go the the graffiti route or you're going to go like the gang route. And sometimes yeah. it's like both because you have no choice. Right? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and I think so. That was like more eighth grade, but I remember like in sixth grade. You know, you always hear like the evolution of hip hop and that whole movement. But sure, like I was really there. Like, well, to age myself, I'm 45. But yeah, and I think it was like sixth grade. I had a friend Andy, and uh, he's like, "Oh, my cousin gave me these records." So. He didn't want him, but he gave me the records, and that was like late '80s. But it was like Fat Boys, Run DMC, Houdini, um, you know, all the groups we hear of now. You know, right. the, the, the pioneers, the Godfathers of hip hop and stuff. So I started hearing it, and I was hearing like the scratching, and then messed up my mom's turntable. You know, the needle, and I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, and then uh, I'd go to East LA Night Cousins. They're doing the whole breakdancing thing, and then uh, there was where my 
grandpa used to live, a guy named Alex, and he was into the graffiti scene. And they had a huge wall across the street. And he's like, man, this is like our chalkboard. Like, you know, the rivalries because somebody get crossed out. Like, he was like, whatever goes on in this wall tells you what's going around the neighborhood. You know, so I was like intrigued by that. I was like, really? You know, so it was like that whole movement. It was like the breakdancing, the graffiti, the DJing. You know, so, um, yeah, man, it was just that whole culture was just exploding. I always tell everybody that was, uh, there was no better time to grow up than, like, Mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, like, Mm -hmm. early 90s. That that era, it's like, because I think everything was new. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, hip-hop was still fairly new, you know, uh, you know, there was, uh, there was no internet, so you 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 had to write letters to girls, or you had to call them, which mm-hmm. no nobody does that anymore, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, everything was like you know you get like music videos, mm-hmm. brand new. You know yeah. what I mean? All these things were like starting to come into play, yeah. And but it was still like everything was fresh. You it know? was like, new, yeah. It was this music was new, uh, television, yeah. All the all the classic movies. I mean, mm-hmm. people will argue. I mean, Cam's like old soul over here. So he'll tell you like all the classic movies like 80s movies. He's like, "Nah, there's Red Dawn, there's there there's Breakfast Club. There's all these great yeah, movies, yeah. right?" So I always tell everybody like that was a great era to mm-hmm. grow up in. Even, even and even for the graffiti world. Yeah. That's when it started to it was big in, in New York mm-hmm. already, but that's when really it started to explode in in, yeah. in, in L.A. especially. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, we used to drive to East L.A. all the time, and I would, my head would be looking right, looking left, like all the new pieces, all the names, and, you know, Hex and Skill and Chaka, all the OGs back then. And, um, yeah, I was just totally into it. Like, it really caught my attention. And then, um, but yeah, like you said, that whole era, you know, I remember, um, you know, Say somebody's coming out with the song, you know, I got to run to Tower Records or Music Plus. Sam Goody's oh, yeah. get that CD. You Couldn't know? download it then. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right, one time, though, never said this, never told anybody, but I got totally chewed out. What's the worst CD that you want your parents to find in your room? Uh, back then? Yes. Uh, uh, like, A specific group. That- are, are you saying because it's 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 dirty and nasty exactly it's probably gonna be too short or two live crew Two live crew. <laughs> okay yeah something too yeah exactly <laughs> too short too exactly and I, I didn't even really i think i heard it one time and even to me i was like oh my god this is bad my friend gilbert said dude check it out my i think it was the cassette cassette deck um t- yeah cassette tape and uh i heard it one time like oh wow and then i don't know i tucked it somewhere in my room and then oh, when I got bad. home, my mom was holding it. She says, did you forget this? And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, hey, we want some. You know, and I yeah, was yeah. like, you're humiliated. <laughs> I'm all, that wasn't mine. Yeah, that didn't work when you try to pass it on, pawn it off on somebody else. The, the, the but, crazy thing, though, about that, we were talking about this the other day, me and Cam and my mm-hmm. wife, is that those songs back then, uh, they were awful. Yeah. Right? And it was, like, taboo. It was all over. Exactly. But now, like, that's, like, the 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 – this it's like tame it's the norm it's, it's yeah, normal yeah. right yeah i'm like it, it doesn't make it any better exactly but, but it still it's yeah. like that's like like stuff like that's almost played on the radio now yeah oh 100 percent. i mean without the curse words of course yeah. but the the innuendos and, and it, well, it used to be innuendos mm-hmm. now it's just like straight, straight out <laughs> exactly they don't hide it no more no. yeah and i was having a debate with my nieces and nephews because they're younger and they're like hip-hop's new to them and i'm trying to right. tell them they're like uncle paul you're old school blah. i'm like back then it was just different it was like that was when the West Coast was popping, you know, NWA, yeah. all that stuff, Ice T and all them. And uh, I was like, it was hardcore gangster rap, but I knew I wasn't going to hear it and I'm going to go shoot somebody. It was just like kind of cool. You'd vibe to it. But now it's like so sexual. And I'm like, right. you guys are seventh, eighth grade. You, you're saying these words. You don't even know what you're saying. It's so, you know, yeah. I guess I sound like the old guy now, but I'm like, you really shouldn't hear this. And they're like, it's hard though yeah. not to sound like the I old know, guy now, right? I'm 
I'm up there too, bro. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes I'm like, do I sound yeah. like the old guy now? Yeah. Or am I am I trying not to be the old guy? Like I exactly. Like I was tripping out on. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, uh, George Lopez, and he was mm-hmm. in, and he was he was putting down this new the comic, old, yeah, Ralph. Right, mm-hmm. he's putting down Ralph on, on, and I was like, George just sounds like an old grumpy dude, like mm-hmm. that old cat. That's like mm-hmm. that's like back in my day, mm-hmm. right? And, and I was like, and I hope I don't sound like that. Yeah. I please don't let me sound like that. Like yeah. I want to be able to understand young people. Of course, you're gonna have to say a few things to kind of school them on a few things, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be like. Well, back in my day, yeah. it just because then they just turn you off. Yeah, you're like a bitter off. old man. It's yeah. like, yeah, so I, that's how I try to like. I really want to go in hard with this whole like, you know, they're in like the Drake. I, I just can't really get into the new stuff. So they're like, yeah, we know Uncle Paul, the '90s raps a bit. I'm like, well, it is to me, you know, right. whatever. But yeah, um, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny because guy. like it's like <laughs> the '90s were so long ago, dude. Yeah, think about I know. it. It's, it's it's like 1990s, like 30 yeah. 30 something years ago. I saw somebody in there like, dude, we have our 30th high school reunion coming up in two years. I'm like, don't tell me that, please. Yeah, that's that sounds scary. Time flies, bro. It does. Time flies. So so you you had a son, yes. right? At a very young age. Tell us tell us about you and and, and your girl back then, you know, uh your, your son's mother and how you guys got together and, and, and how that spawned a pretty much changed your life. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it was um she was, geez, at the time, well, you know, it was kind of the high school off and on thing, nothing real serious, and then we graduated, and, you know. What school did you go to? Um, actually, I went to, um, well, South Hills for a while, and then I went to West Covina. Okay. Kind of more in that area, and um, actually, yeah, I had to leave for uh, some extracurricular activities, we'll say, but they let me back my senior year. Okay. You know, one of those things. <laughs> um, but, uh, like I said, people look at me now, I'm like, I had my little bad boy years, you know, like we all did. But uh, long story short, yeah, I was messing around. They said, you know, you're going to have to go to this school your junior year, but if you behave, come back your senior year and graduate with your class you grew okay. up with. So we made it work. But uh, it's funny, when you're pulled out of your environment, I went to a different school. I didn't know anybody. Grade shot up A's and B's, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not a D student. You know, it's yeah. like you go with new people, and you, you actually study right. and work, and it's like, wow, I, right. I impressed myself, you know. But, um, yeah, so long story short, we both graduated. And, yeah, she was 18, I was 20. It was one of those things we find out, like, baby on the way. It's like, wow, you know, you're just super young, you know, super young, super nervous, scared. The whole thing is trying to get over telling the families, like, you know, when you're a young couple, it's just like, oh, Oof. you know, I have to deal with her mom and all that. So I said, all right, well, let's let's do our my side first. Um, I'm going to talk to my brother, which is like basically my dad, you know, and um, older brother and my mom. So we sat down, talked to him. It was the initial shock and what, you know, and then. What are they going to do? They hug you. Hey, we're here to support you. It is what it is. We love you. And uh, so our game plan with her mom, because we were really worried about her mom. Her mom would fly off the handle. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I said, okay, well, let's do this together. We'll talk to her. It is what it is. The cards are going to lie as they lie, you know. So um, she called me one night screaming, crying. I told my mom, get down here. I'm all, dude, this isn't how it was supposed to go down. We had a game plan. What did you? I don't know if they were arguing, and she just said, I'm pregnant anyway. She messed up everything. Oh, yeah. The whole plan. I remember going down there, man. My freaking heart was pounding. I'm like, this is not something cool to walk into. So, yeah, I walked in, arms, mom's arms folded, steam coming out of her ears. It's kind of like, how could you do this to my daughter type of thing? So, yeah, I took uh, a little 10-minute, you know, some 
yeah. choice words by mom. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm, I got to deal with it. I'm the man. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, here. I'm showing my face, you know. Right. So, again, like all of them, after a while, she calmed down and said, you know, it is what it is. We're here to support you. So, um, yeah, I just remember just being so young. And then, uh, you know, beautiful boy, Polly was born. And, um, you know, a couple months later, um, and again, there was no signs. It wasn't premature. It wasn't any, um, all the tests were good, you know, so we had no idea. He's literally like three months and we thought everything was fine. I, at that point, I thought he could see, you know, when their babies, their eyes kind of wander and stuff like right. that. And, uh, I remember going to the pediatrician and he did like the little light exam and he just looked like he saw a ghost, like something was wrong. He says, Oh, and I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, uh, you better go to children's hospital right now. Uh, yeah, we'll go tomorrow. But you know, never good. yeah. When he said that I heard the, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just like the distress in his voice, like, right. you need to go now. Like, it was very important, you know, and I'm like, oh, shoot. And I looked at her, and she's like, that doesn't sound good. And then I started looking at his eyes, and I'm like, well, I could tell they are wandering. But, you know, when they're babies, like, they don't really, like, focus yet. Their eyes are kind of all sure. over the place. So I thought it was something he'd grow out of or whatever. Um, but once he said that, I heard the urgency. I was like, wow. So we called both moms at that point. Um, we all went up to Children's Hospital downtown together. And uh, I remember just it, the doctors were so black. Like, it wasn't like this long, you know, two hour, you know, waiting thing. It was like one minute. Oh yeah. He's blind. And, blah. and I just remember it was like somebody punching me in the gut, you know, being that 20 year old young father, it's already a hard mm. situation. And I remember just everybody went their own way. My mom started crying, went out the exit of the hospital, you know, her mom started bawling and she went somewhere and uh, yeah, his mom just had his, her head down crying. And I was, so you're like, the only guy there. Yeah. I'm the only guy. So it's like, I have to be the strong one. But again, it's like, we all took it different. It was just like yeah. somebody punched me in the gut. And I'm just, you know, you're thinking of your son long term. You're thinking like sports, like this whole life's flashing before your eyes. And now I'm like, this just put a stop on everything. Like, what do you mean he's blind? You know, it's just you can't believe oh. it. You know, it's, it's a big blow, you know. So that was tough. Man. And so you find out he's blind. After you get over the initial shock of that, are you thinking, okay, well, we're just going to have to figure this out and work through this and love our son of course yes you know um mm -hmm. so you do you get to that point finally how long did it take yeah. you to get to that point yeah it definitely took a while i mean you know it was almost like we were both dealing with it in different ways um especially being young dude yeah i mean it's already young, a hard, it's hard situation it, exactly and then you know dealt with that card and you're just like wow so i think we kind of almost took turns like i think she hit it she was really hurting in the beginning. Obviously, as a mother, you bore this child, you know, maybe some guilt she felt and blame. And, you know, I would talk to her like, it is what it is. God just gave him to this way. You can't live with that. It's not your fault, my fault. Because your right. whole thing is like, why? Is it somebody from the from the sure. family, the history or, you know, something wrong? And I think the know, why is always the biggest question sure. when, when when things like that happen to us. Right. We're always <laughs> we, we, we don't have the why. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's even rougher because we wanted, well, what's the reason? Mm -hmm. Was it because of something I did or some, something in our family? No, no. It, it, okay. So what happened? Are mm -hmm. we, are we cursed? What, what is going on here? Like, yeah. I, I think when we don't have answers to stuff, it gets kind of, it makes that burden a little bit harder because mm -hmm. we're trying to like, uh, I don't know why it's just, it's just the way he was born. Yeah, no, it's a, it's hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head. It's just that unknown, you know, why you want yeah. answers now. And uh, we talked to the doctor and they couldn't really put their finger on it, you know. And I think mom was more pushing like, why, you know. And I was just kind of like, again, it is what it is at this point. We got to write it out. God right. gave us this baby and, you know, we're going to we're going to do what we have to do. And um, so at that point, it kind of started taking a toll on us. You know, 
obviously being so young and then I was dealing with it one way, she was dealing with it another way. And then he got older and it was like something was still off. I'm like, I was resorting everything to Stevie Wonder because I'm like, he's the only main blind person I know, you know. Hey, Stevie Wonder could sing, he could walk, he dance, he, you know, he probably's right. going to be good. You know, but I think now at this point, Polly was training like three or four and I'm like, he's still not walking. He's still not talking like something else is up. Like, mm. you know, so um, we went to the pediatrician and he, you know, it was almost like um, deja vu again, hearing that voice go to children's hospital again. I'm like, oh my God, now what? You know? Uh. So, but this time he said, go to the neurologist. So I'm like, okay, the, the brain, the neurologist. So um, again, we went over there and they did some testing and um, then they told us he's autistic and it was like, wow, like. That's a whole nother blow, you know, because they said, well, normally somebody be autistic or blind, but it's very rare if they're both because most autistic kids don't speak. And then if you're blind, obviously you can't see. So to have both of those, like it's a very unique case and it's going to be challenging. Have you have you met another kid like Polly? Um, you know what? Actually, after social media and I started sharing our journey, a lot of people come out of the woodworks, which is great. Okay. So we kind of built like a little community. But a little initially... Network. Oh, literally, uh, yeah, I was on an island by yourself. Like, right. nobody could relate. I didn't know anybody with the same circumstances. Because I think you shared with me about the, the you go to, uh, you know, uh, blind parents, you know, yeah. meeting, right, mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. some support. And it's like, yeah, no problem. We got you. And yeah. then you and then you tell them that, well, he can't do a lot of those things, right? Didn't you yeah, yeah, like yeah, because I was really struggling, you know. You're only strong for so long. Then, you know, you get hit with the double whammy. It's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. So, my family's like, you need to seek help. Go to like, you know, um, these parent groups, you know. So, so I'm going to start with the, you know, autistic parents groups. They could relate with me, you know. So I'd go and again, they were like, don't worry. Our kids are nonverbal as well. Just have them point to you. And I'm like, no, no, you guys don't get it. Polly's blind also. They're like, oh, wow, that's a tough one. So I'm like, forget the autistic parents groups. I'm going to go to the blind parents groups. Right. Maybe they could relate more. And like I said, I went over there and um, they were like, you know, don't worry. Our sons can't see, but have them tell you vocally. And I'm like, no, he's autistic. He doesn't speak. So both sides are like, wow, like, I don't know what advice to give you because if he can't see and he can't talk, that's definitely an uphill battle. So where do you, where do you go? It was this hands-on learning the hard way. I really? Mean, yeah, completely felt like I was on uh, on an island by myself. And I think that's what led to, you know, I think Polly was like three or four. And that's when I mentally started kind of throwing in the towel, drinking, drugs, the fighting. Me and mom split now. Um yeah, there was like a two-year run. I was just out of control. I was just like, you know, F it. It is what it is from high-speed pursuits, pulling out guns. I mean, people who know the story back then look at me like, dude, you get all the praise for Polly's project. People don't know that two-year run, like, that you survived that. Like, I was out of control. I was just like, you, you know. You didn't care about anything at that point. Who, yeah. Who's watching Polly at this time? I mean, he was still going back and forth. I just I had so much anger at God, like. Why me? You know, I go yeah. to my family parties, nieces and nephews running and playing and probably be there with his head down. And it was just, it just turned into this anger and resentment. And I was just mad at everybody. Like, why am I, you know, so I went through that, you know, kind of poor me. Especially, especially being young though, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't even deal with that now, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at my age now mm-hmm. I'm being mature and, and, and knowing, you know, God's going to help me mm-hmm. and, and, and all these things. It, dealing with that now, I, I would probably... I don't know if I'd pull out guns and get in high speed. <laughs> it got a little, little, little wild, but, yeah. But I think, yeah, man, when you're young yeah. like that and I don't think have time any now, support, we have wisdom and experience. But back of then, of course. But back then, just, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like even now, I would feel like, man, this is a lot. Yeah. But, but, but being young and and yeah. not having any support or anywhere to go to, yeah. I, I don't think, 
don't think people realize that because like they said, well, go get help over here. Go get help over there. Mm-hmm. They'll help you here. When you don't have nowhere to go, mm-hmm. it, it, it it can drive you insane. It sounds like you went a little bit oh, crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely went off the handle, you know, and then dealing just with the relationship. I mean, dealing with Polly, but now me and her split. She's already dating the new guy. It's a small city, so I have to run into them, fights, and so-and-so got jumped. I mean, it was it was a wild. I mean, the stories I was telling my friend, I forgot half of them, and he's like, oh, I forgot about that. And you cracked the bottle over this guy's head, and then when that one guy wanted to stab I'm all, dude, it was like madness. Like, who is this? I was just out of control. And uh, I think a lot of it was the alcohol where you just, you know, um, but Did you I, have a lot of anger. Was there a lot of anger because of this? This just this. Oh, the whole situation. Yeah, I think that's situation. what it was. Just the whole situation. I'm thinking I'm going to be this single father, you know, for the rest of my life. And mom's gone. I have to deal with Polly. And it was it was just a lot at one time. It's hands on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for two years, I was the strong one. Like, don't worry, we got this. And I don't know what it was. It was just I think after maybe being her officially split, then it was just like. I was just very turned into a lot of anger and resentment at everybody, you know. When did when did it change for you? Um, it was at the high speed pursuit. Um, six cop cars after me. Okay, how, how did yeah. this go down? Oh God, you got an hour? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I don't even like to say the story because I just can't even believe. But it was. Yeah, got crazy drunk one night. Me and her got in a huge fight. This guy tried to get involved, and I. Pulled a gun. It, it was. It got a little wild. He called the cops. Cops came to my apartment. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of Paul, skipped over that. Paul, Paulie's project guy. It, yeah. Guns. Oh yeah. No, okay. I was. I was okay. freaking nuts. Okay. And I never even shared the story because so, I didn't like to bring it up. So this so is an exclusive. So now. the real SGV's coming out. Yeah, now. SGV's coming out. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you know, before yeah, I was like, I would never even share these things, but it's like this is part of the story, man. It is what it is. You know. And, it is. Uh, I think it makes it even more. You know, um, powerful and inspiring. You know, I, I don't say like, oh, I had this easy, you know, upbringing and everything's all hunky dory. It's like, no, I went through hell, you know, for those years. And um, yeah, so again, I, it gets too descriptive. There's too many details, but it got wild. This guy calls the cops. So as soon as I'm, I shouldn't have even been, got the keys of my truck, got the keys pulled out because I knew they were coming. So as I'm pulling out, I just swear it was like, you know, cops when you're watching Virgin of Cops back in the days. So I'm flying out our apartment driveway in my truck. I shouldn't have been behind the wheel. And six cop cars coming in. And I'm like, Moses parting the seat. You know, I'm exiting. Oh. They're coming in. And I just look at my rear view mirror. And it was at that point, it was on. They just all flipped, you know, and uh, made a U-turn start following me. And, yeah, it was like those high-speed pursuits. You see, I'm looking in my mirror. And I'm like, F it. This is like kind of suicide mission. I'm going through red lights. There's oh, six wow. of them. How old are you? And I'm like, I was like 23 maybe. Yeah, so 23. Done. Yeah, I was just like, I'm probably going to go out tonight. Like, it is what it is. Um, almost at, like, blackout point. Like, again, I shouldn't have been behind the wheel. Um, and, yeah, they we took them all the way up to, like, Azusa Canyons. And then at one point, they pull back because they're thinking, like, those are canyons at night. You know, it's pitch black up there. This guy can't even drive straight anyways. We right. don't, we we're going to lay back. So I'm thinking in my head, like, I got the upper hand. I lost them. They're gone. But they're thinking, you idiot. We're, we purposely stopped, you know. <laughs> so, but I remember, I mean, I was just like, you know, you, you're you just barely skimming on those little side of the rails. I mean, yeah. it's already scary driving that thing sober, let alone drunk at night, you know. Right. And I banged a couple of those card rails and stuff. And uh, I was still flying up there. And luckily, like, you know, they have those little turnout spots. Right. Um, I remember I was just gassing it. And then I was like, I think I hit one of the guardrails. And then my truck flipped, I think, like five or six times. Like, boom, 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 boom. 
and uh, in the canyon. Yeah, up going up the hill to the canyon. But if you know, I, I always say God saved me because I was riding that guardrail all night. You know, going up there, and uh, I don't know how it happened, but when I flipped my truck, it ended up just being in that little turnout. So I should have flew over, right? But it ended up in that little twenty foot little oh, gap thing. So now I remember it was like a movie and I'm pinching myself because my truck's upside down. I know there's glass shattered, there's blood. I'm upside down, all funky. And um, I was just, I'm like, is this a dream? Am I alive? Again, because you're just, after the accident, you're not all there. Plus the drinking, plus it was just too much. And I was pinching myself like, man, am I alive, God? Am I in heaven? What's going on? You know, I was trying to snap out of it. And I remember, you know, when you're in the the, um, canyons at night, it's just silence, you know, it's like echoes up there. It's kind of creepy. And uh, I'm like, all right, I know I'm alive now. This is all bad. My truck's upside down. I'm upside down. I'm kind of trapped. You know, who's going to come and help me? Like, who even knows I'm here? You're literally in the pitch black. So um, I remember hearing cars pull up. And then uh, it was it was those the sheriffs that were driving after me. So they may came up like 10 minutes later. So they're probably thinking like, dude, we didn't have to do anything. This idiot crashed on his own. Like, right. he's already right there. But um, I just remember like hearing boots and them talking to each other, like, there's no way this guy made it. Like, because my truck was totaled. It, it it was in horrible shape. The, the top was all smashed. I mean, I had a little gap just to put my head to the side. And uh, I think it flipped, like, six times. And uh, luckily, I didn't, you know, fly out the, the window or anything. But um, they're like, hey, you in there, blah, blah, Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm alive. And uh, they're like, wow, well, we're going to help slide you out, pull you up. You know, there's just a small gap. So um, me being so out of it. Like, they, I remember they pulling me out, and then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm okay. I didn't break anything. I still, Paul tries to make a run for it. I got, like, two feet. They grab me, and they're like, really? Oh, I got Rodney King. Yeah. Oh, they went to town. Where yeah. Run I, I know. Where am I going to go? Exactly. Yeah. That's when you know I'm, you're not in your right Pull line. that Rambo and jump right, in the yeah. tree. And I remember I got, like, two feet. They're like, grab the collar. Like, where are you going, boy? And, oh, they went to town. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They had some fun on me. It's pitch black. Nobody's up there. It's just, Old school sheriffs. Oh, oh yeah. Come was on, like, yeah. I was like the pinata, so yeah, <laughs> they had some fun with me, called the ambulance, and then uh, ambulance, yeah, took me down to the hospital, and um, our next morning woke up, it was like, what happened, and my family was like surrounding me, and uh, my mom's like, what the hell, like, is this the lifestyle you want, I think, but I always remember she said something to the effect of like, if you don't want to live for yourself, live for your son, and it was mm. something like that guilt with Pauline, I'm like, what am I doing? And it was something in those words. I'm like, I got to change my ways. Like, this was a waste of two years, you know? My son needs me, and it, the situation is what it is, you know? So um, that was definitely my wake-up call. Wow, man. So what, what, did you go to jail and all that, or what happened? Yeah, yeah. It was um, – I got lucky. Yeah, I, was, I went to jail, and um, it was when the, the – uh, Jails are really overcrowded. And then my ter- attorney ended up knowing the judge. You know, sometimes they do a little inside deal. So they talk back in the chambers and they're like, hey, we should give them like, I don't know. I think it was like, because if you look at that whole night, it was like evading police, DUI. Yeah. Um, it was, there was trespassing. There was assault with a deadly. I mean, tried to escape. Oh, yeah. There was like eight <laughs> things. And I'm like, oh, I'm toast. So they were going to give me, I don't know, it was like three to four years. Um, but they did some like deal in the back. They're like, or we can just give them freaking, I don't know. It was like an incredible amount of community service, fines, all the classes. And I'm like, dude, I'll take that because I need to be out here for Polly. Yeah. I can't be locked up for years. So we ended up doing that. 
And uh, I remember doing my community service. They almost wanted me to be an employee. They're like, we've never had somebody do like three or four years of community. The hours was like ridiculous. Most people get like 20. It was like 2,000 hours oh, or something. Shoot. So um, they even had, I had my own cart, you know, it was over at Benelli Park. I was like an employee. Like, <laughs> really? You know, um, they, yeah, people thought I worked there. I'm like, no, I'm just doing my hours. They're like, dude, you're here every day. What so, the heck? Yeah. So did you have like a new perspective on life after that? I mean, even mm. though it was still rough and you you had doing all that community service did, was mm-hmm. did your mindset kind of change yeah or begin, it was like or begin to change it was slowly but surely i think paulie tugged on my heartstrings you know i just found out like how much um how much help he needed and it had to be around it had to be healthy stop drinking and stop worried about the outside noise and you know friends and influence and all that because you know at the end of the day i told his mom's like hey nobody else has a special needs child blind and autistic that of our family and friends nobody knows what we deal with and right. you know because it could be like we're still young your friend oh let's go to the club and blah i'm like dude i gotta block all that out i gotta focus so yeah there was some major changes i did yeah does how do you commute how did you communicate with him yeah it was it was tough because um because yeah he doesn't he's not non-verbal can't mm-hmm. see uh, obviously he has some some senses still but yeah i mean it, it how do you communicate as a dad because you you want to you know, make your kids smile even if sure. they can't talk to you you want to be able to feel them know mm-hmm. that did you did you how did you communicate yeah well i think it's just that that bond you have with them you know i knew all those little gestures or you'd make a facial expression or you know because pretty much the only thing he would say when he got older um is he would double tap his chest so that would mean yes so i could see when he's frustrated he'll would hit himself or he'd get mad you know i can't imagine the frustration you can't see and talk and you know maybe he has a toothache or maybe he went to the bathroom or whatever he's in diapers and um so I'd say, Paul, you want to go on a walk or, you know, his favorite, I give him options of his favorite things. You want a snack? You want to play with your toys? You want, um, you know, chicken or whatever. And then he'd finally go like this. So that would mean, yes, he would double tap his chest. So I'm like, Hey, at least all he could do so is say yes, but look. that's the universal language. Right. Yeah. So, um, he would comprehend that, you know, um, you know, now as he gotten older, I know all the little signs, you know, I'm on top of it. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no verbal, you know, communication, but you know, just that connection with being him i know all his needs and wants how, he's all how, very routine oriented how rare is that um, it's got to be some sort of stat or something like that where because even a, a lot of autistic kids are still mm-hmm. able to communicate and are verbal yeah but, but blind and non-verbal autistic yeah yeah no it's, of, it's tough i started i think i started my instagram page in like 2014 and then um i had um other parents reach out and they're like, thank you for putting Polly in the forefront. Like there was a couple from Miami and then there was a mom in Texas. There's another lady in Arizona. Like people are reaching out, like our wow. sons are blind and autistic. And again, there's not like a huge community of it. They're out there, but everybody's just kind of, you know, so I think it was cool that I put out in the forefront. And they were like, man, thank you for, you know, putting Polly as the example. Cause there are families like that. So it wasn't as rare as I thought. I mean, it is, but um, I'm glad I was able to build a little network and to these to this day, I talked to a lot of the parents, and a lot of them were younger than me. So I was like, "Man, I wish I had a Paul out there that I can right. see them from experience." And you know, because again, don't they don't come with a manual? You just learn hands on. And um, I think you know, I kind of talked about his childhood, but the hardest years was when he turned from like sixteen to twenty-two. That's when he started getting very aggressive and violent. So he'd punch me, bite me, kick me, and I think his hormones are raging, testosterone. Right. Now he's becoming a man, yeah, and uh, he was really hard to control. You know, so he'd. He's sitting there and then he would just snap like he would flip this table 
he, I mean, people would come in my house. There's like glass and blood, and like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, Polly had a horrible meltdown. We had to call nine one one a couple times. But his head is his weapon. So you know, if he can reach something, he's gonna. He can't see, but he would put his head through the drywall. It looks like at our old house, like we had a bowling ball. You put it through the wall. There's like perfect circles of Polly's head. You know, so we had to put padding everywhere. So it was, it was rough. I thought that period was never going to end. I mean, sometimes he'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning, just socking himself in the temple, you know. And it's like hard as a parent to see that because I don't know what he's going to. He, he, we can't talk. And I'm like, Polly, I'm sorry. What can I do? And it was just I had like PTSD, you know, like yeah, waking up. I, I, I sat in a recliner for like three years next to his bed, and I was just ready at all given time. So he'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning, maybe have a meltdown. Sometimes he slept. Sometimes he didn't. Um, it was rough, man. It was rough. Man, I, I couldn't imagine having to give that much care, man. Mm-hmm. Where do you get the strength to do that? Yeah, man, I think... Um, just out of, just pure love? Yeah, all the above love and the family support and, you know, a lot of prayer. You know, I believe God gives me the strength. You know, you always hear that, you know, saying, and I got tired of hearing because everybody would tell God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, but it's true, like... You know, obviously, you know, and then we haven't even touched on Polly's project. I'll get into how right. that evolved. But um, I think Polly's given me this, uh, you know, compassion and, and um, patience to help people. You know, I change his diapers. I feed him. I bathe him, cut his nails. You know, everything you do for yourself for self-care, you have to do for him. Put his deodorant, you know, shave him, you know. So I hear people complaining. I'm like, really, man? Like, you have no idea. I don't have the latest iPhone. I'm like, dude, that's your worry of the day. You know, come to my house. I'll show you, you know. Right. But I don't complain. You just do what you got to do. And I can really, like with my Instagram page, you know, we have a little following. And uh, I think people like that. I do our post more as inspiration and to bring awareness, not to the pity party and look at us and victimize us. It's like, this is our situation, but look how we're handling it. Right. You know? I, I think that's the biggest thing when I see your page is it, it, it is inspirational because I, I think, you know, even after talking to you uh, before this podcast, it, it was kind of like, man. I, I think of that stuff and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I don't look, I, I don't look at your page as like, feel sorry for me, but I look at it like inspirational, like you said, and I'm glad you said that because that I'm like, okay, what am, what am I complaining about over here? Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This, this, this dad has joy and he's doing something with his son, you know, that, that can't give him really any real reaction or, mm-hmm. or words or say hey you know yeah anything and he still pushed forward so i think when i look at your page i'm just like this is this is really inspirational man this is something that we all can learn from mm-hmm. and i i think uh i guess the blessing for you would be now being able to inspire people yeah through 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 unfortunately your hardship yeah and i think that's something when people for tend to forget um i think about you know uh Nothing in comparison, but I, I think about when my dad died mm-hmm. and I used to say, why, why? And, and and then you wouldn't believe how many, how many guys I've helped with the death of, yeah. of, of their father. And I, and I think, well, my, my tragedy is still a tragedy and it's tough and it's hard to, you know, think about sometimes, but being able to help other people and, and, and be there for them and encourage them. Maybe I won't, even if I don't have the right words, I get to just listen. Yeah, 100%. you know, and yeah. your 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 hardship, all the things you went through with Polly, and now being able to inspire people mm-hmm. and, and 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 like these these families that yeah. say thank you, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Because now I have now I have somebody yeah. that I can go to. Exactly. I think that always seems to like 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 
kind of like mend the pain a little bit. Yeah. Like mend the hurt a little bit. Like, okay, I'm able, I went through it, but I'm able to inspire these other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I think just changed my whole perspective with life. I think with all the wisdom experience with age, you know, I look at things in a different perspective, but back then it was more anger and victimizing myself and looking up in the sky. God, why? You know, and now that I'm older, I'm like, all right, I get it. God, like you, I'm the chosen one. You knew I can handle mm. this and you knew I was going to be an example and inspire others, you know, and um, I think even thinking of being a father, because that's a huge thing for me. It's, you know, since my dad wasn't really around too much, um, you know, I always had that hole in my heart. Like he never showed up to the games and all that stuff. And it was like, you know, you can easily fall in that cycle. You know, sometimes I call it BS. Well, my dad wasn't around. So I'm like, dude, really? We can all do that. But right. or you can step up and be a man. It's like, hey, I'm the easiest one who could bail on this thing. I'm not with baby's mama anymore. I had to deal with Polly. But, you know, a man steps up and you do what you got to do. So it's like, I don't want Polly to have that same hole in his heart that I did. And he needs me even more so because all the care he he needs, you know, I, I love that, man, because I think. What you said there is a lot of people fall into the the victimhood mentality sometimes, man, and it's very easy. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. We're, we're everybody's a victim nowadays, right? It's, and I think sometimes we don't realize that life can be rough and life can be a struggle. People, you know, get cancer and and, and die, or their wives get breast cancer, or you know, their kids something happens to them, or you you know, you have special needs family members and things like that. And I think sometimes. It's very easy. I'm not knocking nobody that becomes that that gives up because yeah. it, it. I don't know everybody's situation. Yeah, it's but, a different but, backstory. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it is rough. But I think you kind of taking, you know, the helm of that and just saying, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm." It wasn't easy, and you had to go through some rough patches. But now being able to be blessed and say, you know, like, man, this is this is God gave me this task, and now I'm gonna run with it. I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Elevate Ministries. Elevate Ministries is an authentic, passionate, and innovative church in the heart of Orange County, California. They strive to make their services welcoming and encouraging by intentionally engaging you in all senses to stimulate a spiritual hunger. If you're looking for a great church that's on a mission to change the world one person at a time, I encourage you to check them out at www.elevateministries.com and on Instagram at Elevate Ministries. My friend Matt said something. His, his son was born with uh, a special needs son mm-hmm. and, and didn't have, uh, his hands are not fully developed. His arms are a little bit shorter and kind of bent. And uh, he said, you know, the, the, the biggest like tragedy of my life or the biggest hurt that came upon my life was my son. But it, it ended up being like the biggest blessing. Yeah, down the road. It was like in the beginning, it's like, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. Like this is this, you know, crying and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's very difficult. But now we look at it and we're like, man, this is have has been like one of the biggest blessings of my life. Like like you said, like the same thing that you said, like God chose me to to do something with this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I I mean. I look at Polly and like he's such a huge inspiration to me. It's like, oh, am I to complain and whine and like this young man can't see and talk and he's he has a tough life ahead of him, you know. We're doing the best we can. So when I get down, I look at him. I'm like, man, who am I to complain? You know what I mean? Like right. I got to step it up. But now he just gives me that encouragement and we feed off of each other. I mean, he needs me just as much as I need him. And it's like God just bonded us perfectly together. Like he knew what he was doing because I know most of my friends come over. They're like, dude, no offense, but. I couldn't handle it. It's like, I'm out, you know, because they'll come and I'm not really paying attention to them. Like, I'll be there, you know, watching the game. I'll be there in a little bit. And they're like, you missed the game already because I'm like, well, yeah, Polly got upset. I got to 
give him a shower because water calms him or he wants to go on a walk or give him his favorite snack or music or I got to cut his nail. Like every little detail. And they're just like, wow, like I'm tired just watching, you know, and I'm like, dude, this is just one day in the life of, you know, right. There's a, there's a lot of sacrifice, right? Yeah. A, lo- a lot of things that you have to surrender to mm-hmm. you the you, Are you the full-time caregiver for him? No, no. He, he goes back and forth with me and mom. Like okay. he's with mom tonight. So, you know, props to mom and stepdad and they have, sure. you know, a uh, um, son and um, daughter. And, you know, that's why. You know, I don't really like share and post my situation, but I would say Polly gets the best of both worlds. So I, we still get both a little breather, you know, that's where good. he goes back and forth quite a bit during the week. And, you know, that's his, been his routine since he's little. So he doesn't know anything different than that. But, um, yeah, sometimes mentally you need that to take a little break and, you know, just to get your head straight, at least for 24 hours, you know. Right. So let's transition here. We're mm-hmm. going to transition from Project Paul. Yeah. Paul's <laughs> you, project. To oh, Paulie's project. Yeah, there we go. Right? Exactly. So projects. That, you're, you're Project Paul. That's true. But let's transition to Paulie's project. Tell me a little bit of some, how, how this came about. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I know that was our, I feel like that was a whole earful with that first half. And now we haven't even touched on the second part. Everybody likes the background. Yeah. True. Right. Every Everybody likes to, to, how did it lead up to, and I and I always say like the back, the the overcoming part's like the best part of the story. Yeah. Because everybody sees you doing, you know, Polly's project now, but nobody really saw Project Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and how you Train wreck Paul. <laughs> how you evolved. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and how cuz I think that's important because yeah. I think everybody always sees a finished project or like sees the, what, the cherry on the top, the good part. Well, it, I think I never shows the iceberg this, but know? never shows the bottom of yeah. uh, you know all the work underneath the level the water, right? Exactly. So I think uh how did this come about? Yeah, yeah. No, and, and just to piggyback off on that, like, this is really some exclusive stuff. I feel, like, more open with you because I'll share the Polish Project stuff, and I've always shied away from, like, my past because it, it got a little grimy for a while. But it's right. making me feel good talking about it and leading up to it because it just puts the pieces of the puzzle together. I and think so. it makes you appreciate Polish Project so much more. And i like, oh, they just started this thing. It's like, man, you have no idea the backstory, what I just went, went through, you know, explained. Yeah, because I think when when – when you told me about your son, because he's 25? Yeah, he'll be 26 in April. He'll be mm-hmm. 26 in April. Um, and I think, you know, when you when you were talking about him, and, and when I see, you know, I see the the, the peace in downtown mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and I, and I think, oh, he's a, he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. I don't realize, like, he's a, I didn't realize that he was a grown man until you told me. And then mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. So it's been yeah a long time. It's been a long it's, road. It's been yeah. a long road. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of battles, you know, like I said, that. 18 to 22, those are rough. And like I say, he's going to be 26. I feel like we've, you know, overcome so much. But, um, you know, to start the Polly's Project thing, I mean, like I said, music was our lifesaver with Polly. You know, we used to put the headphones on. I think it was like three or four. And he'd rock back and forth. We'd call him the little Stevie Wonder. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> hearing is his main thing. So we know music is going to soothe and calm him during life. So that was like a key factor. Um, was there any particular music? Um, well, it's funny cause I always, I always loved oldies and I'm like, at least it's mellow. You know, I like, we play some hip hop, nothing too crazy or classic rock. No two life so. crew. Yeah. No more two life crew. Exactly. Yeah. We'll put thank that God, on the shelf. Thank yeah. God Paulie didn't like two life exactly, crew. Exactly. Exactly. He might've if I had introduced, no, I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, yeah, I was like, we'll keep it calm with the oldies, you know, um, he does a lot of the, the Motown, you know, all the soul town stuff. Uh, Stevie, well, of course, Stevie Wonder, he loves that. Uh, you know, the Marvin Gaye and all that. Um, <laughs> excuse me. But, um, yeah, so long story short, just to back up a hair getting into Polly's project, um, cause this is what led up to, I think the inspiration as well as Polly, but I had an uncle, um, hardcore gangbanger, you know, East LA, um, and his lifestyle, it was, it was, it was pretty dangerous. I'll, I'll just say that, but it was always in and out of prison. He'd go to prison, do some years, get released. He'd go to Skid Row, 
do some dirt, go to prison, get released, go to school. It was just mm. a cycle. So I think I was like five or six years old and my mom would always take me down there. She's like, at the end of the day, we love your uncle. We got to do what we got to do to help him, you know. Um, but he was always like kind of kept us arm's distance. He says, hey, don't get too close to my lifestyle, but I appreciate you guys helping. So we would go down there, bring him cigarette cartons and hand out the window and we go to Skid Row and give him clothes and hygiene items. So I think that played like a crucial role, you know, planted the seed because I always remember looking out of the back of the car and I was scared, like, where are all these homeless people? And my uncle would roll up to our window and we'd hand him stuff. So um, kind of you kind of develop a heart for it for, yeah. for, for people are seeing how they were just out there and they needed help exactly yeah and again i was so young but can't really do anything at the time you're just like taking it observing and taking it in as, as like kind of like a sponge you know looking out the windows right. and it was scary and stuff so um fast forward um uncle passes away and then now i'm like in my late maybe 20s and you know dealing with the poly situation things are better you know things are smoothing out and i'm like you know i think my passion I love to go back to Skid Row because that's where my heart is, you know, in honor of my uncle. And I'm going to just start simple, serving breakfast at the Midnight Mission. So I didn't tell anybody to make a big deal. I just said, I'm going to go at 6 a.m., serve breakfast. And, man, it made me feel really good, you know. It was just like, um, I think that connection with my uncle, just being in that environment, I was like, man, these were his streets he used to walk on. So um, I remember walking back to my car one day, and I saw this guy with uh, headphones. And he was doing like the little Stevie Wonder, like he was rocking back and forth, big old Colgate smile, and like literally stopped me in my tracks. Like the bolt, light bulb went off or the God inspired moment. I was like, wow, like that dude has the same smile as Polly. Like music's the universal language. Like I don't care if you're homeless in a tent or you're blind and autistic like Polly. Like music just touches the soul. And nobody knows more than me because uh, again, we live with Polly and right. music's our lifesaver. So. I remember I went home that night and I was tossing and turning. It's like, all right, God, you put something in my heart. How do I connect, you know, the homeless, my passion of helping them and Polly and music. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to start something called Polly's Project. And we're going to share the gift of music and we're going to donate radios to the homeless. That was a simple concept. Wow. And we're going to do it in honor of my son, you know, um, at the time, you know, still not bitter anger. I, I kind of got over that. But I was like, there's certain things I can't do with Polly. He's not going to go to prom. He's not going to get married. He's not going to be playing sports. There's certain things that we can't do, but this is what I can do for my son. Like this, I'm going to put him on the map. Like, wow. you know, this is going to be the inspiration behind this whole movement. Yeah. So um, I said, I know, you know, music brings him so much joy. We want to bring joy to the streets, you know? So um, Paulie would go down there with me. I think my initial thing was just buy 50 radios, buy 50 radios. We might be done or maybe we'll buy a few more. So I told my family and friends, any five bucks, 10 bucks. So we bought these 50 radios. Um, Polly would go down to the streets and he's still young. I think, I don't know how old he was at the time. Um, 14, 15, something like that. And Polly would hand him the radio and I thought they'd be more excited with the radio. They were more intrigued with Polly cause they're like, they didn't really know his condition. They're like, why isn't he looking? I'm like, Oh, he's blind. Or why isn't he talking? I'm like, well, he's autistic. He doesn't speak. And Polly would hand him the radio and they would just have like this dumbfounded look like, who am I to complain? This young angel is giving me a free radio. He can't see and talk. And I'm here Whoa. in my tent, like, you know, so it kind of flipped the script on them and they were just like speechless, you know, that, that's a, <laughs> that's a wild scene. If you think about it, because I think, mm-hmm. you know, you think a homeless person is going to be like uh, the lowest of the low, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and for them to be able to say like, Hey man, I, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. I can see, I can talk, I can mm-hmm. walk down the street, nobody, you know, and mm-hmm. do my, pretty much live free and, and, and don't need anybody to take care of me. But here's a kid that, that needs everything, and, and they're getting a gift from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I would say, God bless when we walk away. And I look back, and they're, like, speechless, like, what just happened? You know, I wow. think it made them reevaluate their life. And, again, a lot of them said, hey, yeah, I live in this tent, but I can still get up and do something with my life. Like, right. this young man, 
can't see and talk. And, you know, it just really touched their heart. So um, that was like the first two years I took Polly to the streets. And, man, they loved him out there. Every time I go, where's Polly? Like, he just built this little, you know, community out there that loved him. But then I could see after year three, he started getting a little bit older and he was irritated by it. Mm. I think it was the smells as he's getting more mature and older, bigger, you know, and I'm like, you know, why, why am I going to drag him down here anymore? I could see he's moody, you know, because it's overwhelming. Like even for us, we can see in Skid Row, it's like fights going on, people screaming, the smells, the smoke, right. the, you know, I'm like, I don't want to torture this kid. So I said, you know, Paulie, you could stay back, you know, so his mom would watch him and I would still continue to go on the weekends. So I think I put the next two, three years and work by myself. Like I would go in the mornings or at nights and uh, my family would get mad, like, why are you going to Skid Row at night by yourself? Like, this is not safe, you know? And I'm like, man, if I want to dive into helping the homelessness and connecting with them, like, I want to be in the thick of it, you know? So um, it took a while, you know, to get respect out there because, you know, let's face it, some areas are more, uh, you know, Hispanic, some are black. So some of the back streets, you know, it was predominantly black and they're like, okay, no offense, but you're a Mexican dude down here at midnight by yourself. Like, do you have a death wish? This isn't normal, you know? Wow. And I, I said, honestly, man, if I want to build relationships and connect with you guys, I want to see how could I be of service? How can I help? So it took it took like a good solid year to build that trust with them. And they're like, all right, man, you're the real deal. So there's always like a main guy on each block. And they kind of took me in and shook my hand and say, man, we respect what you do. Like, you're not out here for the clout, the photo op. Like, you're out here weekly and by yourself. And we yeah, appreciate this it. Is, this is... Before the yeah. gram, this is before yeah, the exactly. clout, right? Yeah. The, the, like, the, not that you're searching for that, but yeah, this yeah. Is, there's nothing that there's nobody gonna say, "Hey, great job." Yeah, all you're going out there is because you truly care, sincerely care. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, I mean, it's a it's a it's a thing now. I don't know their heart. Maybe mm-hmm. they have a right heart, but mm-hmm. the, people like to video everything. Right? Here's two dollars I'm giving to this homeless guy. Look at it. Everybody on the ground. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, yay. You know, it's a big yeah, thing. The pat but, on to, the back. but to do something with, with, with nobody looking, mm-hmm. just pure heart, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. I mean, that, that takes a lot, bro. That mm-hmm. takes a lot. I mean, uh, props to you, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think just having, like I said, all the stuff I was dealing with, Polly, you know, so people would pat me on the back, like, how do you do it? You know, go out there by yourself and you're giving and you're so nice. And I'm like, it's really not anything different than I'm doing in my house. Like I clean my son's butt. I, I change in my wipe on my, you know, feet. I do everything. So when I go out there, it's like, I'm just kind hearted as it is. And I think Polly's prepared me for this work. Cause it's not for everybody. It could be, you know, dangerous. It'd be scary. You get anxiety out there. But you know, I think all the stuff I do with my son, it's helped me to go out there and it's just opened my heart, you know, cause Polly has me. If not, he might be thrown in a home somewhere. A lot of these people, they say they have nobody. Polly's project is their family, you know. So I think when I was down, when I was in the hospital on my back and I looked up and my family was surrounding me, Paul, get up. You know, these people have nobody. We're it. So I think I, it's um, it's hard, man. It's deep. There's a deep connection in the streets. What keeps you motivated? Um, Honestly, I, I think my son, in, in the beginning, it was more, you know, what I was getting out of it. But now we've had thousands of volunteers over the years. And I like seeing what they're getting out of it, you know. So you're kind of like the dad. You step back and, oh, my young kid, like, I'm happy. I'm proud of you. And we've had so many people start their own organizations off of us. And um, people just have so much passion. And it's cool. Like, you're just building this positive movement, you know. What's what's the biggest misconception about homeless people? Um, You know, there's a lot. I think everybody puts them in a bubble. Like, homelessness has such a negative stigma. And. You know, I said, man, imagine going out there every weekend for 10 years. Like if I were to start stereotyping and judging, I'd be gone years ago. But, um, you know, I think it's just building that relationship. And people are always scared. You know, the typical, they're drug addicts or psychos or crackheads or, you know, 
you can't say that. A lot of these people are just down on their luck, all different backstories and situations. You know, I look at myself, all the crap I went through. So who am I to throw a stone, you know? But they always say the hardest part of homelessness is loneliness. So, like, there's a guy, Steve, he lives off the freeway, and he's all thousands of cars pass by me. And I'll just wave. Nobody really gives a damn. Nobody waves back. No, I'm, like, invisible. And you guys come, you know, on Sundays, shake my hand. Steve, how you doing? How was your day? He's a, you're acknowledging me like I'm a human. Nobody even calls me by name, you know. So those little things that we take for granted, like other people are praying for just to to have dialogue with another human being, you know. So, um, you know, ours is a little different. We go out the first and third Sunday of every month. And uh, I did Skid Row in the beginning all those years. And sometimes we would post up on a corner and, you know, and, and Skid Row, it's a lot of people. So people would come up, you're handing them food and this and that, which is great. But uh, Skid Row is like the mecca. All the, the groups go down there because that's, you know where it's predominantly all the people. So I remember one day I got lost and uh, I hit like a back street and I was like, man, there's so many encampments, what I call like the outskirts of downtown LA, all these little pockets. And uh, I remember getting out one time and like, who comes out here? Does anybody help you or bring food? And people are like, no, we're like the lost out here. We're like, you know, the lone survivors. The, the lost lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, we don't even want to go into Skid Row because it's pretty dangerous. So we stay on the outskirts, you know, under the freeways and some back alleys. And, you know, it's pretty hardcore out there, too. But right. um, I was like, yeah, I think this is going to be my niche. Like, I'm going to come and help you guys and stuff like that. So um, I started posting stuff. And I remember one day people were like, we love what you do, but how do we get involved? And I'm like, that's true. I can't just keep it about myself. Like, so I said, all right, well, if anybody wants a volunteer, we're going to meet here at Farmer Boys at 1030. And then, you know, start two volunteers and four and 10 and, five, you know, it just built up. Um, but yeah, that's what we do, man. We go out there. I mean, because everybody, I, I look at that too, you know, and I don't know drugs is a big issue in a lot of people's life. But I, I, I think sometimes we forget that homelessness is only a few tragedies you only yeah you only a few tragedies away from, from like a paycheck from yeah from being homeless Seriously. like like i think like there's people and you hear these stories you know the 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 husband the the sole provider for a wife and maybe a couple kids dies unexpectedly and maybe the wife doesn't have no family you know and, and loses a loses an apartment or a home and then she can't find a job because her kids are too small. She she can't afford, afford child care, and then you're 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 homeless. You don't have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's so close for a lot of people, especially now with the economy, with everything. Mm-hmm. Like like being homeless is only one tragedy away, right? Yeah, it's not that far fetched. You know, when I'm out there, I just think years ago, people think of oh, it's an old guy pushing a shopping cart. Not anymore. It's youngsters. It's families like we see so much now especially after the pandemic like you said um double income and mom loses her job well now they lost the apartment they're out in the streets they're living in the car so it's sad there's a lot of people i mean la county has seventy thousand homeless so you know people like oh they're losers they don't want help and you know i'm like dude how could you even say that i said you know the first thing is they should go to a shelter well do the math if every shelter bed opened up there's only like eighteen thousand beds in la county there's 70,000 homeless. So that big gap, where do you want people to go? You know, so I just say, hey, we've had a lot of success stories getting people in housing and stuff like that. But the other half, let's face it, they might die out there. It is what it is. Some people don't want help, as we know. Others do. But, you know, I go in and treat everybody the same. And, you know, we've helped a lot of people. So I, I just don't stereotype. I have a big heart to help people. Yeah, I think you do as much as you can, right? Mm-hmm. If they, if they want to be helped, you help them if they need you know uh some toiletries okay fine but sure. you know people 
want to be out there and and that's been their life for years you know Mm -hmm. and they don't want they don't want anybody to help them i mean the the shelters like you said i I think are good there's there's rules to shelters too right i mean some i mean you you said is eighteen thousand beds but sometimes there's only x amount of beds for for men are no yeah. beds for men, right? There's some yeah. rules on that. Well, a lot of times, like if I will, it's like dangling the carrot. If I dangle a key and say, "Hey, I get a shelter tomorrow," maybe probably less than half would say, "Okay, let's go. Get me the hell out of here. Where send me there?" And the other half are like, "Man, I don't want to have all the rules on my back, mm. and I can't drink in there. And then if I have a dog, they won't let me bring in my dog, and they can't won't let me bring in my you know supplies or whatever. And then you have to be in at a certain time. Like, I'd rather live out here in the community. I've known these people on this block for ten years, and it is what it is. I'll probably die out here and I'm cool. Like this is the decision I'm making. So, um, again, it's hard, man. Everybody has different backstories and, but you do see like, say I'll see somebody just became homeless out there. They're out there a week, you know, certain mindset. They're scared. They're nervous. You see them two months later, it could be an alcoholic now, or they're on drugs. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of people in their right mind, like, man, you can't survive out there. You got to numb yourself with something. So I get it, man. It's, it's survival to fittest. And especially if you're a woman, nine, nine times percent, they're rape you know it's just they go through a lot and um it's tough man but we have like even the psychology behind it we just got a my friend mama rose we just got her into housing and she's been in the streets for six years and lived along the freeway so when i went to go visit her she's beautiful room now and um she just came in carrying all her stuff i'm like where were you she's like oh i went back to my tent i'm on mama rose you have a beautiful room here what are you doing she's like it's just too quiet and I'm scared by myself in this little box where out there all my friends would protect me in the streets and I'm my, in my tent and I like the noise and my, you know, people wow. would watch over me. I was like, man, that's deep. Like there's a psychology behind it. It's almost like somebody's done prison. They're in their little cell and you can't just say throw them back in society. Like right. it's uh, they, they'll do a crime just to go back to, exactly. to prison. So it's, it's interesting. You know, what can we do as people like to, to help your, your project? What, yeah. what, what, what can we do? Um, I mean, definitely, um, you know, we're always open to volunteers, but really donations, you know, I see as Paulie's project is growing, we're serving more people. You know, we were just out this Sunday. Well, we get, we came across 150 people, but it adds up. So that's 150 meals, 150 hygiene kits, 150 drinks, 150 socks, you know, so we get, you know, a little funding here and there, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, but I'm starting that Patreon campaign where people just go and like, Okay, here's, you know, you always say, don't drink Starbucks for one day and donate it to Polly's Project, but right. we need that consistent, you know, monetary donation. So, you know, somebody gets $10 here, $20, it adds up, you know. So if I knew, like, hey, we have a couple thousand in the kitty every month and we know what we can buy, you know, but that's been the hardest part. But it's like, as Polly's Project is growing, um, we have a lot of support out there, but, you know, I always tell people, you know, we could all talk the talk, but, you know, we need action. So we definitely right. need the community support. So monetary donations, volunteering, or we have events they can come out. Like there's so many ways to help Polly's project. Okay. Well, let me ask you this with, with, with homelessness, do you think that you can legislate or city run programs are going to help? Or is it the private people like yourself you know, that are in the streets that are right. I mean, that are helping. Do you think they have a better chance of making a difference on homelessness in the streets than, 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 than the city that, you know, the, you have all these city programs. So you always hear all the, all the city programs, this, this, but, but I feel like it's, it, it, it can't be government run. It has to be like run by like, like, like people like yourself that really know the street and really know what works and doesn't work. Cause these city programs seem like they're just, Maybe they're maybe they're well intentioned, but they they don't understand or know how to deal with people. Yeah, no, that, I think that's the most 
frustrating part, you know, seeing all these measures and prop H, all this stuff, 300 million to the home, 400 million. And then I'm sitting back three or four years later, like, where'd that money go? What yeah, happened? Where did it go? And people ask me, Paul, you're on the front lines. If anybody knows you, you see it. Right. What, what's the difference you see with all that money passing? I'm like, I see more homeless out here. I don't know where it went. You know, they said, oh, we're going to build, you know, thousands of uh, these rooms and stuff. And they only ended up doing like 30 rooms or, you know, whatever it was, it was just some BS, but I think it's because the city and, you know, city officials have the money and then there's us. So it's like, we got to come together. Cause I know they say, Oh, you know, we're trying to get these people in shelters and you can see the people from the city with the yellow vest with the clipboard. And they're going up to my friends and my friends are like, man, I don't trust you. I'm not giving you my information. Right. But I knew if I asked them, they'd be like, shoot, Paul knows me for 10 years. Here's my social here. You know, so they need people like me because I've built the relationships on the ground. So you can't just have people from the city show up and say, hey, we're going to help you. You know, so I think it's going to be a collaborative effort, you know, but it's all about like permanent housing. And then um, it's the follow up, you know, the, you know, um, drug rehab, the mental, you know, there's so much stuff that comes with it. But again, it's almost, I always refer to it like somebody who did 30 years, you know, doing time and then they come out, you can't just throw them in society, say, figure it out yourself. You know, they need the follow up and the help, but the city's dropped the ball. I mean, they should attack this years ago. Now it's like spiraled out of control. They're like, you think homeless is going to go away? I'm like, it's never going to go away. They'll put a little dent in it, but it's going to take a lot of pieces, moving pieces. And it's just frustrating. So by the time I look at politics and this and I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to stay in my lane and do what I do and help as many people as I can. Right. I think that's the that's the biggest thing to me. I mean, it, we we get so many organizations that that have that are dedicated. It's not just a, a two-year, three-year run for you. You're going on over 10 years mm-hmm. of running this. And I think that when you start getting into the politics of it, it's it, it just yeah. It gets wild. I mean, to me it's just like give these organizations the the the, the capital they need to 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 make a dent. Whether it's Polly's project, whoever out out there that's that's doing it. You know, uh, our, our friend Jacob, yeah, his, Jacob, his stuff going on too. You know, it just give them the funds and let them distribute it out, and and at least you know where it's going to. It's going to something. You know, it, it's being used the right way. It's not yeah. just being used to to look good for for the political realm or sure. money's being spent yeah. on stuff that's irrelevant. It's not yeah. even making a dent. I mean, because. There's a lot of money being spent. Out yeah, there. there's hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's crazy. It's like we're one of the few that are on the front lines actually doing it. I mean, the proof is there. You go on Instagram, we're out there every week grinding, you know, and it's like we're the one that are lacking the most resources. Like, I'm glad we've gotten this far just with what we've had. Um, but lately, we've gotten a couple more sponsors, and I like their answer where they're just like, man, we, we like to see what's going direct in somebody's hand. You know, sometimes you deal with these big old third-party, huge nonprofit organizations. Is like, I hope my donation went somewhere, but... You know, but they're like, at least you we know, know when it's going to Paulie's brother, like we can see it, you know, like we know, you know, yeah. it's going to a good cause. So what, what are some of the success stories that you've seen? Th- th- um, the, yeah, I know project? one of them was my friend, Sophia. Um, she was a uh, man. She, I mean, I, I'm not speaking down on her because she would say this herself if I was here, but she lived a horrible life, drug dealing. Um, she was a prostitute. Um, you name it. She's been through it, you know, living in the streets for like, I think it was like 25 years. She's like, I was just a bad girl. Like, I did everything and anything. Um, one of the times she was, you know, working the streets, doing her thing. And I think it was somebody either took her money or didn't pay her. And she was so high on drugs. She said, I got so pissed off. It was kind of like a Paul Knight when you're like, F it, this is it. I'm going to end it, you know. And she got a thing of gasoline and she threw it on the guy. And she threw a match on him, ready to blow him up. And her arm was filled with gasoline when she threw it. Ooh. So she ended up lighting herself on fire. And uh, I think it was like 80% of her body burned, like 
So she was like away for like eight months in a burn center. I didn't really know the story. It was just like she vanished. So I assume like half the people, she must have passed away. Rest in peace. And uh, I saw her like two another year after that. And um, she, I, well, first of all, I saw her in the streets and she was there visiting friends. I didn't recognize her. And she's all, Paul, I'm like, and you look familiar. And she's like, it's Sophia. You knew me for five years. I'm all, Sophia. I mean, she just had this glow. She looked normal. I mean, she wow. had like her burn marks and stuff, but. She's all, because of Polly's project, you know, it wasn't just because of us, but she said, I remember those Sundays when I was so down on my luck and depressed and like you guys always came with a smile. You never judged me. You always uplifted me. You said, you're going to get out of here, Sophia, one day. Well, it took that catching myself on fire and surviving that to make the changes. So mm-hmm. she's all, the people in the hospital were so nice, these nurses. I said, when, if I make it out alive, I want to be in the medical field so I can help people like, you know, what she went through. So long story short, she's uh, working at like USC Medical Center. Wow. She has a car now. She got married. She has a house. Awesome. And it, I mean, she's the major comeback story. So, but she just hugged me and she thought, thank you. I mean, when I was at my lowest point, I knew I had my Polly's Project family and you guys just helped me so much those rough times. It's got to be inspiring for you to see that. Yeah. And, and, and just to know that you made an impact on, mm-hmm. on this woman's life and transformed her around. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and there's a lot of stories like that, and I think that's what keeps me going. Because I could look at the negative, you know, so-and-so, you know, and it's a lot when I go out there, so-and-so overdosed, so-and-so got stabbed, so-and-so died of cancer, you know. It's like people aren't getting the help they deserve, but then there's stories like Sophia, like, okay, Paul, keep doing it. Like, you know, you are touching lives out there, and you're making a difference, you know. And, um, you know, I want to – sometimes I I hate leaving them out because I got to give a shout-out to my Polish Project team. The volunteers, they're sure. amazing. You know, it's like sure. me and Polly, I always say we're the face of Polly's Project, but we can't do it without our volunteers. And we have like such a loyal core group. There's maybe 20 that do so much behind the scenes, organizing clothes. We have a warehouse, so they're putting hygiene kits together and just all the countless hours, you know, and right. it, it, it's amazing. And it's a whole team, a Polly's Project army that keeps this thing moving. That's so good, man. I, I think the biggest thing for me with with you is – uh, and, and why I liked Polly's project and what you guys got, I think you're you're truly living it. We we there, there's a lot of organizations out there where I think they it's all about the shine. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for somebody like yourself that said, you know, I was here before Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be here when the next whatever Instagram starts up. Yeah, yeah. we're still gonna keep going. But I think you've made it about your son and the people in the streets yeah i mean I, I i didn't even know how you looked yeah because because you, you, you don't post yourself mm-hmm. and i think that's big because i think i think people like to give to that you know what i mean I, I i know i like to give to that because i'm like thinking this guy's this guy's about it he's really getting out and that's not to knock anybody else out there but i'm saying i think people realize like you're committed and i think when people are committed to something people respect that Yes, yes. And I think that's what you got going on right now, man. I think yeah. that you you, you, you kind of set the tone for uh, other people to come along and say, okay, I, I want to try to do this and make an impact. And it impact is not made for a year or two or a yeah. couple posts. I mean, it's made over a long period of time. And yeah. I think you're, you're, you're in it for the long haul. Yeah, the longevity. You know, even we were at this uh, last event to live and die in L.A. And, uh, you know, a lot of people came up to a birth. We're, we're selling merch, but it's more... You know, telling them, sharing about Polly's project or how people can get on board, on board volunteering and donating. But I don't know how many times they're like, I'm about to say, oh, it started by my blank. They're like, dude, save it. I already follow you. We already know your story. I was like, <laughs> I think we have more of a, you know, people that we touch out there than I, I think of, you know. Right. And um, 
it was amazing. Yeah. People are like, no, man, we love your project. We've been following you for years and thank you for what you do in the community. And I'm just like, wow, this is cool. Positive feedback. You know, it's like, I'm glad we're inspiring others. And, you know, um, a lot of, there's a lot of respect for Polly's project out there. Right. What are the goals set, set forth for the future, man? I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure having a, a son that you have to take care of 24 seven, you, you just live day to day. In, yeah. in, that, in that sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't think about tomorrow. We're just going to live through today and get through today. Yeah, that's, right? that's always been my motto, like one day at a time. And people are like, where do you want Polly's Project to go? And I'm like, I kind of do as much, you know, physically as I can. Like, I, I do a lot for Polly's Project, even under my circumstances. But, um, yeah, it's like I know we're definitely going to expand. Like, we have one cargo van. We need two. We have one ha- warehouse. We're going to need a second warehouse. Like, I want to expand to different areas of L.A., like not just focus on one area. So, I mean, um, right now we are trying to get like grants from the city and stuff. So I think we've been on the back burner. We've been doing this 10 years. And then I see new organizations come out. Oh, they've got a $50,000 grant, 70. I'm all, dude, they're going to come out at once every six months for the photo op. Like we need to be tapping into that money and not in a selfish way. Like we really need, you know, we're out there doing it. So it's like, you know, you got to start taking care of some business now. And um, it's exciting, this growth. You know, I feel like we're rounding right. the corner, you know, getting our name out there. We're, we're getting, you know, my sister's kind of taken on as my secretary now because it's like i'm overwhelmed with stuff like okay you're gonna speak here and then you gotta pick up a donation here and then you're gonna talk to the school and then coca-cola wants this you know like there's nice. we're making moves Good. but it's overwhelming for one person you know yeah you ran that forever right yeah yeah so it's, it's it is hard to step back too i've had people you know we'll take over your instagram <laughs> page and we're gonna take out just you do your networking do your thing and i'm like i know but it's still my baby like Polly's project i've held it so long but right. i got to delegate and step back a little bit you know and um like I said, I have good people around me, and they want the best interest of Polly's project. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming out, man. Oh man, thank you. It was, it was amazing. Good time. It was just good flow, just like we're having a conversation. It's the best way. That's what I tell everybody. Just come in here, man. We'll have a good time, and we'll talk. And uh, it was it's really great to meet you, man, and, and really good to learn about Polly and and, and your you guys' life, man. It's very uh, inspiring for me, man. I think um, you know when you talked about. Uh, you know, just helping people where they're at. I think as, a, as, as you know, this is faith-based. I'm, I'm a Christian. And, you know, I always gave people money, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, in the street or whatever, like, here, here you go. You know, I, and, and then I would have people say the old adage of, uh, of uh, you know, they're just going to use that to go get drunk. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're yeah. going to just go use that to go get high. They're gonna, and I said, I don't care. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm sure when Jesus walked the face of the earth mm-hmm. and helped this guy see we don't know what happened to that guy he maybe saw and never talked about jesus or yeah. serve god again maybe exactly. when jesus fed the four thousand and the five thousand yeah maybe not all of them followed him after right but mm-hmm. he, he, he they seen the miracle but but he still did it for them yes absolutely so i always think about that like i don't really care what they do with it mm-hmm. i mean i i hope it's a good thing yeah i hope that i help them out i hope they go grab a meal but the bottom line is uh jesus knew what we were going to do with everything he's given us mm-hmm. and all the time we did the right thing exactly <laughs> he's given us but he still gave it to us right exactly and he still continues to give it to us yes so i think uh what inspiration man because i think that you do it out of love and you just do it and you and you want to help them and wherever if you can turn their life around great but if you, but if you can feed them or keep them warm for a night yeah then, i mean then great also everybody right? needs the basic necessities that's always people's number one question like paul you help a lot of homeless people when you go up to 7-eleven and somebody's there like i want a dollar 
what do we do? And I'm like, whatever God's placed on your heart. Right. Want to give him a dollar? Cool. If not, but don't do it with the intentions. Like, like they have to buy, you know, like I said, yeah, once yeah. you hand it to him, it is what it is. Like, is you know, we just got, uh, 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 one of our, um, sponsors gets, uh, Nikes. So there was like 400 pairs of Nikes that we just gave out at our last event. So there's, you know, um, air force ones, there's right. Jordans, there's air maxes. And people are like, you're going to give this to 400 homeless people. I'm like, Dude, whatever I, I I'm blessed. I'm giving the blessing back. Whatever their intent is after that, I don't know. They right. want to wear them. Hustle. I, I can't control 400 people, but you know, you do it with God's can you know intent to bless others, and it is what it is. Yeah, I think uh, what a blessing, man. What a blessing. We do one more thing here on the Street Gospel Podcast, uh-oh, man. Uh-oh. Let's do this. I, we 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 like to call this the uh, the Furious Five, man. The Furious Five, and we ask you five furious questions and they're 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 kind of fun you okay. know what i mean so we play uh play a little music okay i like it all right the street gospel furious five with paul avila the man behind paulie's project yes or is paulie the man behind paulie's project <laughs> i think both <laughs> it's both so you got the little paulie little, little new tattoo oh, there right you there, go some you know sick he's man. always with me he's always with me you all said right. you were into Art. Yeah. Right? Graffiti in particular. Question number one on the Street Gospel Furious Fight. Greatest graffiti artist of all time in LA. Wow. Ooh. I'll put you on the spot because you you know a lot of them. So do I. I know. There's there's a lot of them. Oh wow. Um I, I I I got two, and it's tough, but... Yeah, no, that's a killer question, because there's just so many in different skills, you know. You got to pick one. Uh, oh, man. I got to go with the, with the OG, because I grew up seeing all this stuff in Melrose and going to his shop okay, and all this. I already know. Yeah, you already know. You already know. Yeah. I'll give it to, to Hex, but it, God, I could have picked 10 of them, but yeah, he's he's kind of top on my list. Hex is up there. Yeah. For, for, for me, it's skill. Oh, yeah. Skill, he's going to come in the podcast one day, bro. Oh, yeah. I already talked to him. John nice. He's going to be on the podcast. But yes, sir. I, 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 but I, but it's a connection, right? Yeah. I, I love Slick, too. Slick's up oh, yes. there, too. I mean, amazing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dudes out there. Yeah, Defer yeah. is one of my favorite. But but straight graffiti uh, and still gets down. Yeah. Well, he was skill. like. Yeah, he was like crazy vandal but did his ridiculous yeah right well it's funny because today as a matter of fact he posted and he put this was for paul they did a a mural hex and skill paulish project mural on skid row a long time ago and he just posted that today i didn't even see it yeah yeah check it out and um what a what a coincidence i didn't even know he gave a mention for king paulie or something and i was like wow like they did that seven years ago why would he post that to that's still that's kind of cool but he's a great guy he did some some pieces for us uh for for my band back in the day, that's how we became friends. Yeah, and then uh, you know he was in Southgate, I was in Bell. Mm-hmm. I'd see him up everywhere, so I'd be like, yeah. Man. No, so when I finally met him, I was like, I was blown away. He's a beast. Yeah. Question number two on the street gospel: Furious Five, burgers or tacos? Tacos all day, pretty much. Yes. What what kind of tacos though? Uh, I go with the carnitas. Uh, Asada, the basic stuff. Okay, uh, I'm 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 ridiculous Mexican food junkie. Like people just make fun of me because, like, if I'm with the new group, I'll say, 
what do you guys want to go eat? And then I'll suggest we should have Mexican. I haven't had it in a while. And then my cousin will say, dude, you had it last night. Just tell him. I'm like, all right. You know, so I just I'm obsessed. I was at a taco place today in uh, Gardena. So I, I had the taco god on here. So I always ask that question. Yeah, that's my boy right there. Question number three of the Street Gospel Furious Five. Favorite oldie artist or group? Ooh. Man, you're, you're giving some tough ones today because there's just so many. Um, me and Polly always rock out to the best of the Midnighters. Um, okay, like the Dells, the Midnighters. I mean, there's so many, but uh, Willie G, he's our good friend too. Willie G, yes, yeah, sir. I know his son Jacob. Yeah, Jacob G, drummer. Nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's friends with uh, really close friends with my cousin Champ. He Champ was on the sh- on okay. the show also, but yeah, nice small world, dude. That's a small circle, yeah, right. Question number four: The Street Gospel Furious Five. Best donation you ever received to Polly's project? Oh man, um, geez, that's a tough one. Um, we have a new connection. They're called um, Coliseum Athletics. They're like the biggest collegiate sportswear, and they just gave us like seventeen pallets of brand new hoodies and, and wow, um, seventeen sw- pallets. Seventeen pallets is a lot. I think it was they said it was like twelve thousand pieces of goods. You know, so that was a nice one. Okay, nice man. Mm-hmm. Question number five, last one on Street Gospel Furious Five. You're an old LA guy. Rams or Raiders? Uh, it's crazy. I hope nobody's outside. I want to get stoned. I I've never really liked the Raiders. I mean, okay. Oh, exit the building. Podcast is over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For people to hate me most more, I like. I don't really like Rams or the Raiders. I like the Dolphins. Why? The Dolphins. They suck. But my brother brainwashed me. That was his favorite team. And I'm a little brother. He's like, put on the Aqua and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I always rocked a Miami jersey. And then when I got older, I'm like, I don't really like him. I was kind of forced. But I guess that's been my team growing up. So it's weird. I know. But see, you're rocking the Raider colors, man. That's that's, true. Yeah. People just assume. The LA guy with the black. I know. know We were right there. And then I just. It's all right, man. But Dodgers, Lakers, USC, you you roll with those. I'm I'm U- UCLA. Oh man! You know but this mean? was this it's show is going so good. It's going <laughs> south right now. Glad we have the table. Listen, listen. <laughs> UCLA is a public school, man. Mm, USC okay. is a private school, but they are in the hood, and I'm sure you've fed yeah. a few people around that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, USC, yeah, private University, University of South Central. Children. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All good, man. All good, man. Anything you want to shout out before we head out of here, bro? Oh man. Actually, shout out to my my bro uh, Jacob Project Coffee Cup. Just had a little baby. Yeah, um, man. Jacob's a good dude. Tito Hood. There's a lot of groups out Tito. there doing good things. You know, Tito. Um, all my family, <laughs> friends, the Polly's Project team. Um, you guys here for inviting me. Like for sure, man. Too many people to thank, but uh, we appreciate any time we can get our story out there and try to inspire people. But you know, I don't want people to end it like, oh, it's a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. We heard this amazing story. Continue to support us. We need sure. your help. Yeah. Donate. Volunteer. Follow, follow us at Polly's Project on Instagram and get on board. What? What? I didn't ask you this. What is the best thing they can donate to Polly's Project? Is it, um, is, it, is it monetary? Is it socks, toiletries, or, or is it whatever they can give? It's pretty much whatever they could give, but we have that link in our bio that has the Amazon wish list. Okay. So I put like the main items we Got need. It. So there's hygiene items on there. Sleeping bags, blankets, socks, all that good stuff. Um, but if you don't have time to go, jump on the link to it. It has a Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. So, yeah, monetary um, uh, monetary uh, 
donations are always great or items. Either one, it helps us. Got it. Appreciate it, man. We'll put that link on the bottom of this podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, man. That'll conclude this episode of the Street Gospel Podcast with Paul Avila of Paulie's Project. Appreciate you guys out there. Talk to you soon. Peace.